Hey everybody, this is Keith Loy. I'm the founding senior pastor of Celebrate Church in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, and this is our podcast. I just want to say thank you for joining us, and it is my prayer that this week's message will truly encourage you. Enjoy. I don't know about you, I haven't said this for a while, but I like church. I just love church. I I love the fact that we get to come together and gather, and I think it's such a biblical necessity, especially in our world today, right? And so look at someone right now and say, man, I'm really glad you're with me. Come on. In fact, I'll give you freedom. If you're married, turn again and just give them a little kiss and say, I'm really glad that you're with me. Come on. Come on. There you go. Michael leans over and thinks it's his honeymoon or something. <laughs> I, uh, I, I want you to notice on your chair, there was a card when you came in. I want you to take that out real quick. And this is, this is probably not for everyone, but I share with you that the week before Thanksgiving, I think it's the 18th, 19th, somewhere in there. I'm sorry. I just didn't, I, I should have looked at that before I came out, but uh, we're going to be doing in this room, a dinner theater. And a lot of, uh, we reached out to some of those people that we know that are just gifted in that area of being on stage and acting. And, and so if that's you, that's what this card's for. There are a couple gal, there's a couple roles we're still looking for. Um, there's a few people that unable because of scheduling, they're unable to be a part. And this is an opportunity in the church to just keep, if you will, reaching out and seeing the gifting and the talents that are out there. And sometimes we have people go, you know, I'd love to have been a part, but no one asked. Well, it's a little hard to ask when we don't know what you like, you know. That one I don't understand. Well, I didn't know that you played. I didn't know you sang. Um, You'll help us. So if you're one of those people, you said, listen, I love that. I have such a hunger for that. Maybe it's something that you, you didn't even know that you're really good at, but something that's always set in your spirit. And so I would encourage you. What we want you to do is, is we also, there's a guy role in there. There's some other things that we need as being a part. If that's something you're of interest, we want to encourage you to fill that out. Just put your name on it and give us a contact number because we've had people do that. Well, no one called. All we had was your name, you know, and uh, you got to remember, most people don't have landlines anymore. You know, the phone book just isn't really a phone book anymore. So uh, most people have a cell. So Give us the simplest and easiest way to contact you. Maybe it's a, 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 your email address, whatever it is. But if that's something of interest, we're going to put it in your care. So give us your name, your contact. And when you're done, just take it out to the welcome tables out there and give it to one of our people there. And uh, we're excited because it's going to be an amazing, unbelievable show. We're going to have dinner in here. And we'll talk more about how that looks. The second thing I want you to know in that is, uh, I think last week we talked about this a little bit. We're still Uh, encouraging you if there's something that you want to be a part of, especially in our world today, where people are fearful of church doors. That is a reality. And come fall, we're doing a series called God's Amazing Promises, and we're going to speak into this, uh, how important the promises of God are, especially in our world today. But, But people are not coming to church like they used to, but they'll come to an event like this. And I just appreciate Brent and his team it's called Lost in Vegas, and if, you would, uh, if you'll take a look at that, uh, we have cards that you can pick up. It's a great bridge event 
to bring someone that maybe you want them to know about Jesus. They're going to hear the gospel there in a very creative, unique way. So we just encourage you to take part of that. Here's what I'd like you to do. I'm going to invite Jonathan and Grant to the stage, and I want you to all welcome them if you would, please. Well, good morning, church. For, my, for those of you that don't know me, know me, my name is Jonathan. Um, I'm blessed to be here, part of the team. Uh, I was a young adult pastor, and this is just so exciting to be with you guys this morning. And you might be wondering who Grant is. Um, as we've been on this journey, um, this, this summer we've been in a series called uh, Rethink, really rethinking what the church means and what God intended the church to be in, in the first place. And as having conversations with Pastor Keith and walking with our younger generation and young adults, a good friend of mine told me, hey, Jonathan, you have to read this book called The Passion Generation by Grant Skelton. Um, he's like, man, it'll just really open your eyes and really speak into so many things. And as a good young adult does, I went to YouTube and I searched Grant Skelton. <laughs> uh, and from the very beginning, as I heard Grant speak, so many things that he was saying were really resonating in my heart of things that just Pastor Keith and I have been talking about and what God had just laid on my heart. Um, and so then I remember reading that book, and it'll be an understatement when I say that that book really opened my eyes, really opened my eyes as to where young adults are in the church. And, and as we've been talking in the series, br bridging that gap, being those bridge makers. And so, you know, we're able to build a relationship with with Grant, and we became friends, and now he's here. And we're just so excited to see what God's going to do, and we're just going to have a conversation this morning. So I'd ask Pastor Keith if he can join us, um, and we're just going to dive in deep in that. So Grant, why don't you just uh, tell us a little bit about you, first of who you are, and just what, what God has been doing in your, in your heart and the calling that he's put on you. What's up, fam? How are y'all? <laughs> um... So, yeah, my name is Grant Skeldon. I am from Dallas, Texas my whole life until nine months ago during the pandemic. Just so many big changes happened in my life. Whoa, whoa I just got to stop there. I just always love that. Don't you live in a crowd? You know, I, I'm from, you know, formerly Dallas, Texas, and one person. Woo! Yeah. yeah. I, didn't, I didn't know it. I, got, I, I, I knew that it. would be you, Jim. Cowboys fan? How about those cowboys? No. Uh, Oh. oh, he's like, no. <laughs> Wait, the Chiefs? Oh, okay. Are, are we talking about the ones that lost this last Super Bowl? <laughs> uh, just, that, okay, I'm a, that one. So I'm from Dallas, and uh, I don't care. So you Chiefs, go Chiefs. <laughs> and so, uh, yeah, I've been there my whole life, and then I just joined this group called Q Ideas in Nashville. So I just moved to Nashville. It's led by a group called, uh, by Gabe Lyons and Rebecca Lyons. And just been great to learn, uh, just learn from them, have uh, this group that's kind of taken me under their wing. I got married also in that same month. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, so just the new job, moving and marriage. Uh, and I'll just say quickly, I won't get to share my whole story, but I was very fortunate that uh, I got saved March 8, 2006 after big incidents that happened in my life. 
And for the first time in my life, I was kind of searching for something more. Um, and I went to the church for the first time on my own volition. It was the very first time I went to this church. I heard the gospel. I heard how you can put your identity in other things than God. And I was just like, that's what I've been doing. And it's, it's not working. Um, and so I give my life to Christ. I'm in the back row. Give my life to Christ. And I think that was the biggest day of my life. And I was very fortunate that two uh, weeks later, a pastor in that church was serious about discipleship. And he called me and just said, hey, I want to challenge you in your faith. One, if you want to take this seriously, I want to take you under my wing and I want to disciple you. And just to have that man do that for me, I think is the second biggest day of my life, is to have this guy two weeks after I'm getting saved, instead of me wandering, like many of my friends do after they get saved, I had this guy guiding me to become more like Christ. But better, he didn't just say, I'm going to pour into you. He said, I'm pouring into you so you can pour into your school because you might be the only light your school sees. He's like, I've been trying to reach your school for years and I want you to be a missionary to your school. And I, I just thought, man, we, we have this vertical relationship with God and then now I have this vertical relationship to someone who's guiding me to become more like Christ and now I have this horizontal mission. So you just learn different when you know it's not just for you, it's for others. And so I'm taking notes different. I feel this responsibility that if I don't take this seriously, my school might not ever hear about Christ and my generation might not. And so I, I feel like I'm still doing that. I'm still getting discipled. I'm still trying to now disciple and I'm still trying to reach my generation for Jesus. Oh, that's, so, that's so good. Grant, I know that you and I have had these conversations, and I know we've heard it before. You know, you've heard us say, you know, we got to be the body of the Christ. And you know, what is that? I want to ask you, what, what does that really mean? Because we've heard it so much. We need to be the body of Christ. What, what does that really mean to you? And then what are the opportunities in front of us really being that body of, of Christ that God has called us to be? I think it, it, there's so many features of being the body of Christ, in my opinion, but I think the feature of the church that makes us different than every other organization, every other group that we should really lean into right now and the nation needs is unity, in my opinion. Um, unit, I, I don't know if y'all know, if you turn on the news sometimes, you got to catch it at the right hour, but if you turn on the news sometimes, you'll see a little bit of division or tension. You guys ever seen that? It's, it's rare. It's pretty rare. But every now and then, if you catch it at the right time, you're like, oh, there's, there are bad things happening in the world. Um, and so I, I, it basically, there seems to be this tension, this division. My opinion um, is I'm a big movie guy. And so there's this phrase, spoiler alert. Um, it, it's like if you're going to ruin a movie. And I'm about to, I think Jesus kind of did the biggest spoiler alert for the enemy yeah. when he said the gates of hell will not prevail against my church. Yes, That's kind of a spoiler alert. Like the church being the church is on the offensive, not the defensive. We're not praying for hedges of protection. It's actually the gates of hell won't protect the enemy from a united church. So and I am under the opinion that if I was the enemy, I would have been like, okay, spoiler alert. This is how I end I need to do anything and everything I can do to stop this. And I, I'm convinced that he knows he can't defeat us, so he tries to divide us. And, and I don't know, again, if y'all see it, but he seems like he tries to divide us by race, by denomination, by politics, by mask, and even especially what I want to talk about is by generation. Um, if he can divide us, then he wins. I, I'm convinced he's not afraid of big churches. He's afraid of unified churches. Yeah, and so when I talk about being one body, it's like how can we disrupt the division the enemy wants us to fall into and fight for unity in generation, especially in our church? Like um, how can we have this 
when you win, that doesn't mean I lose because we're on the same team. Um, and this, this ability to disciple the next generation, not feel competition with anyone in our church, it's kind of like we are one um, in Christ. That's so good. So good. I, I want to jump in on that. Yeah, come on. I, that is so good. So good. You know, as a pastor, I get a lot of people that I, I love what you said in the beginning. We pray for this hedge of protection. Yeah. I, I always found that to be funny. Like, you're going to pray for a bush around me? Like, <laughs> well, wow. so I didn't know that that's, I, for the longest time, I always heard that prayer. I didn't know it is Same a prayer. Really. It is a real prayer in the Bible. I was like, okay, at least it's biblical. I think Job prays it or something. But it, it's so common. It's a very consistent prayer. We love that prayer. Uh, yeah, yeah. You know, pray for a hedge of protection. I don't want to know. You need the protection. All right? I, I want to be a warrior. I want to be a soldier. Let's get into the battle. Instead of, and I think too often our prayers in the church is actually posturing us out of the battle. So good. Yeah, it's good. We need to be in the battle. It's time to be, I mean, if anybody's praying for protection, it better be the enemy. Yes. Because right. we're coming after, we're yes. storming this. Yeah. Because we, we're on the victorious team. I mean, can you imagine, you know, being in the huddle? You know, and that's the prayer. You know, whatever the, the prayer, you know, the play is. <laughs> Guys, let's just, let's just pray for a hedge of protection around us. <laughs> you know, I mean, my goodness, I, let's, let's snap the ball and let's go, let's go take, let's go win the game yes. for Jesus. Yeah. So yes. I love that. And I love that in the sense of unity as we start yeah. talking about generations. Yeah. So just to piggyback on that, I know that this is um, one of the quotes that you live your life by. Um, and, and, and it says that I want to live my life. That at the end of the day, when I die, all of hell is rejoicing because yeah. I am no longer in the fight. Yeah. Elaborate on that a little. What does that mean to you as we look at what does it mean to be the body of the Christ? I think of uh, the passage, 1 Corinthians 12, 21, where it says, the eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. We're all the body and we need each other. What, when you think of that, what does that mean to you? Yeah. Um. Yeah, so C.T. Studd said that was like he was a stud uh, missionary, <laughs> and he said, "Yeah, I want I buy, when I get to heaven, I want uh, I want hell to throw a party that I'm finally out of the fight." Is is what he says, and I just think um, I get asked a lot, "Why are young people abandoning the church?" And mm-hmm. this is kind of a harder thing to hear, but I do think it's helpful and necessary. Is when I get asked why are young people abandoning the church, I, I, I usually ask, well, why do you feel like older people are abandoning the mission? Uh, because I think those two can, are... Can are you say, inter- say it again? Yeah, so uh, younger people are maybe abandoning the church, but I think it's often because the older generation seems to be abandoning the mission. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that is I, I have a question I often ask where I ask, why is the most cause-oriented generation in the world right now? Like, this generation's dying to be a part of a cause. They'll put uh, X on their hand. They'll, they're like, they, they're dying. They'll put a bucket on their head, if y'all remember that, or the ice bucket challenge. It's like, all of a sudden, you care about ALS. It's like, you didn't even know what that was. They're just like dying for it. Like, uh, they're, they're looking for Coney, if you remember that, in 2012. Uh, it's like, make Coney famous. All these things come up. And uh, I just think, man, the gospel is the biggest cause that there is. So why is the most cause-oriented generation in the world right now not connecting to the most cause-oriented organization in the world right now? That's us, the church. And I think it's because we are just kind of chilling when it comes to our cause. 
Um, and the cause Christ gave us, his literal last words, which should be our first priority, are go and make disciples. But statistically, most Christians don't disciple anyone. And, and lastly, I want to kind of I don't think I share this in the book, but um, I don't know. Y'all remember in youth group, like when I got saved that I told you shared, I was 16 years old. My youth pastor was when you're in youth group, the number one message youth, youth pastors will tell you, if you have kids in youth group, this is what they're saying. You got to reach your school for Christ. You got to be like the light on a hill on the football team, cheerleading team, chess team, whatever team you're on. You're like, you are the, and I received that. I'm like, oh, I felt that, that I am the light in darkness. Yes. And it's kind of like, you need to step up. You don't need to be bold. You don't need to care what other people think. Uh, people need to know that you are a light in that, in that world. Um, but when you get into big church, it sometimes feels like uh, it's more safe and it's more comfortable and it's more, I don't know, it's like, how can I help you just live a safer Christian mm-hmm. life? Um, and why this matters, when I hear you talk about the hedge of protection, like, man, we don't want that. We want to go and charge the hill. I would say the next generation is dying for the church to want that. Yeah. They're dying for us to want that. Like, um, I think the next generation, do you all know who Bob Goff is? Yes. Um, he's just a cool guy. Uh, if you, and it's not cool because he's cool. He's cool because he just is crazy obedient. If God says to do something, he does it. And something about faith, um, basically he wrote a book called Love Does and his biggest market, he's an older man, but his biggest market is young people. They all wish that he was his, their dad. Um, like he's just the coolest guy because he has crazy stories. And, and my, where I'm going with this is I, it's not that he just does crazy things for crazy reasons. It's that he just listens to God. And I don't know if y'all noticed this, but the Holy Spirit it, it's funny that he's called the comforter, in my opinion, because he always asks us to do uncomfortable things. <laughs> like, I, I, if it weren't for him, I'd be living a safe Christian life. Like, everything would be going smooth. But he always tends to ask me to say something to someone where I'm like, but that's going to be awkward. Or, or to give up something because it's starting to take over my heart. Or to, I don't know, he starts to ask me to do things that are always worth it. But rarely are they safe. Like, it's just the Bible is not full of stories of Christians that live safe, convenient lives. Um, I don't know one story in the Bible where God showed up in someone's life and he just whispers, hey, just wanted to check in and say, you're doing great. Stay exactly like you are. (laughs) It's like almost every time God shows up, I'm like, okay, everything's about to change. It's like every time he does, even Job, the one dude that was doing good, he's like... (laughs) That dude got his life flipped. And so uh, my point is, man, if you want to see the next generation join the church and you want to see them get excited about the faith, then I'm not asking you to, like, pack your bags and move to another country. I'm just saying, are you regularly inconvenienced by the Holy Spirit for the gospel? Because those little moments, I would even say the kids that I knew, that I've now met, that have grown up in church and they never strayed away, they just always stayed in the church and they always stayed in the faith and they have a really bold faith today and they never had that prodigal son story, which most young people I know that have come to Christ do, including myself. The ones that stay, I, nine times out of 10 in my experience, they have parents that regularly inconvenience themselves led by the Holy Spirit for the gospel. They're just like, I just saw my parents do things that I could tell were uncomfortable for them, but I respected it. Even though I didn't believe like they believed, I knew what they believed was real to them. 
And, and I, I want and we need a church that's like that. And I even would say we're dying for a church that's like that. If we don't have that, church becomes boring. And it's not because church is boring. It's because what we do with our faith is boring. We don't, I would actually say we become uh, bored again, believers. Mm-hmm. Where we're just bored. <laughs> we're like waiting for the next big conference or the next big thing when God's like, the day after the conference is actually when the crazy cool things could happen. I uh, had a lady in our church send me this quote, but I want to set it up with what's happening um, across the seas in a country we know called Afghanistan. And I was on the phone with Dr. Joanne, many of you know that Joanne Lyon is is one of my significant mentors. And uh, what you're hearing Americans say, what is our government doing to get everybody out, get everybody out, get everybody out, get everybody out? And she says, why are we talking like that? That's exactly what we got to stop doing in America. She said, the Christian, American Christians in Afghanistan don't want to leave Afghanistan because when we leave, we're taking Christ out of the very thing they need. We want to stay here. We need the church to be praying for us as we're there right now to be the hands and feet of Jesus in a time of darkness. Good, Keith. And we're and and here's listen to what was sent to me. The church in Afghanistan is ready to die for Jesus. Meanwhile, we're still trying to convince the church in America to live for Jesus. Wow. Wow. Hmm. See, they're at a place, they're where they need to be, and the Christians in Afghanistan don't want to leave. We're willing to lay our life down for the cause of Jesus Christ. Are we, are we ready to do that? Really? I, I love what Grant just said about are you, are, you, are you wanting to be led of the Spirit to be inconvenienced? Even today. You really want to be inconvenienced. That means what if the service goes a little bit longer? Yeah. See, I, I, I'm just sharing with you, we, we've, got to, we've got to flip the script, amen? Yes, yes. We've got to flip the script. People are dying, going to hell. They yes. need Jesus. And young people right now need the church more than ever. Yes. They, but, they, but not to come to a place that's the way we want it to be or like, I'm willing to wash whatever feet we need to wash. So and, and let's get out for the sake of the kingdom. So thank you for your words. I love this. So good. And that, that, that leads me to my next question. You wrote something in your book that, that was so simple but so profound. And it says, we see discipleship as a burden. Jesus saw it as the main objective. So with that is, what does discipleship mean to you and what does it look like? Yeah, so I think that we often confuse mentorship and discipleship. Um, when, we, when we think about discipleship, we often think we need to go to IHOP once a week with someone younger and talk about Jesus, or Starbucks, um, and talk about Jesus and read the Bible, maybe some confession, and then pray over them. Um, but how many of you guys, if you're honest, you're like, man, I want to disciple someone, 
But let's be real. I'm busy. Like I got, I got, I'm trying to get things off my calendar, not add more things on my calendar. Um, I just got married, and I've always said this when I was young and single. I was like, I would say, I've never met a married person with a full-time job who has kids who's thinking, what am I going to do with all my free time this week? <laughs> I just haven't met them. I haven't met them. I, I actually say, if you're a young single person here, I always say, Man, enjoy this window. Yeah. You know, the enemy's going to get you to think, yes. rush into marriage, get married, and then you could live your real life. And, and there's a reason Paul talk, says it's the gift of singleness. There's a season where you don't have to ask your parents for permission to do something, and you don't yet, like I now have to do, have to ask your wife for permission <laughs> to go and do things. You can just go and move, and you can buy what you want to buy and not have to ne- negotiate with her. Like, can I please get this, like, random thing that you definitely don't care about and don't think I need and probably are right? Um, you, you, you can just move. Like, you, I, I always joke, is like, if my friends say, hey, you, can you come to this tomorrow? I'm like, I totally normally would. And I'd say yes, and then now I'm like, with an asterisk. Wait, let me, let me, I got to talk to my wife. Um, and so there's this freedom to move. So here's the irony is the older generation, the greatest commodity I think the older generation has is wisdom. Mm, yes. Even if it's through pain, even if it's through running into the wall over and over again, you have that experience of like, please don't go down that road. I mean, how many of us think, man, if I could redo the last 10 or 20 years, I'd do it so differently. Just think about the, the wealth of wisdom that's there And then the greatest commodity that the younger generation has is time, in my opinion. They have this time. What if we could get the wisdom of the older generation into the the time of the next generation? I'm going to pull up a slide to kind of show that. Um, And we get young people pouring their time, led and funneled through the wisdom of you, guiding them, mentoring them, discipling them. It would change the game. But instead, we get a lot of young people making the same mistakes that generations have already made beforehand, and then just over and over and over again. It's, it's them doing what is right in their own eyes, if you've heard that verse um, in, in Judges. And so just to clarify, I think mentorship, how we fix that problem of time is we got to stop thinking discipleship is what I would actually consider mentorship. And mentorship is... If you simply said, if Jesus said to Peter or John or any of them, hey, come and meet with me. But instead, discipleship is, to me is not come and meet with me. It's come and follow me. It's yeah. like, how can I join your world? How can I, uh, I actually put, there's like four areas that you could join. Maybe it's your personal life. Maybe it's your work life. Maybe it's your church life. Maybe it's your family life. Uh, the man who discipled me, to get to see him as a father and as a husband my dad's not a Christian, so to get to see that at 16, I wasn't married, but I thought, man, I want to be a, I want to be a husband like that one day. Um, to get to see him, I want to be a father like that one day. Um, I just would highly encourage you all to, to realize that mentorship, again, is come and meet with me, but discipleship is come and follow me. And this is why that matters, is you may be too busy. That's a whole other sermon. But discipleship doesn't require you to change your calendar. Uh, it actually requires the young person to change their calendar. And so if you're willing to be available, and I would even go so far to say vulnerable, because it's, it's hard to invite people into your world, uh, the great thing about that is uh, instead of like mentorship where you're adding something to your calendar, discipleship, it's a nuance, but listen to this, is that mentorship is adding something to your calendar. That's a one meeting a week or whatever, which can still be very helpful. Um, but instead of adding something to your calendar, discipleship is including someone in your calendar. And that, that nuance really helps bring someone into your world when you're busy. 
and they can, um, yeah, they can join your world. So again, going back to, and they have the time, especially if they're a young single, to join your world. So let's not lose this opportunity and just keep repeating the same mistakes because you have so much in you that I would say um, my generation desperately needs. If you've never heard a young person tell you this, one, I'm sorry that our generation is really bad at sometimes honoring the generations before us. Um, I'm sorry that our generation is really bad sometimes at acknowledging all that you guys have done to, to set us up for success. Um, and I'm sorry that we're not always the most hungry uh, to, to learn, but there is a remnant. And there are young people that are hungry and they, they do want to learn and grow. And, and I would go so far to say, and we need you to pour into them. And I make a joke too, because if y'all thought millennials were bad, <laughs> just wait till Gen Z shows up mentored by millennials if you don't disciple them. And so I feel this burden of we got to get millennials discipled so they can disciple Gen Z so the Gen Z can then disciple in ways we've never seen before uh, the generation coming after them. That's so good. And, and, I, and I just want to speak quick to, to the younger people in our room, if I can, speaking as a young adult. I think so, and you just hit it, I think so many times is we've canceled the older generation because we think the ways they used to do things are old. They don't get it. They don't get me. That's not how we do it now. It's not cool. There is so, and you hit it, there is so much wisdom in that, in, in being discipled by someone that is seasoned and is a veteran, <laughs> that they've, they've, God has allowed them to experience so much more. There's so many things that Pastor Keith has told me, Jonathan, I'm saving you a lot of headache. Don't do this. And sometimes I still do it. <laughs> I'm working on that. I promise. But hear me when I say this. They are trying to help and set us up for success. But I think so many times are, we live in this, and you guys, the young people will understand me, we live in this council culture. That if it doesn't go with what I think or what I believe, or if it's, it's kind of offended me, I'm going to cancel it, and it doesn't matter what they say. But know that, man, they have so much wisdom. They love the Lord and that they love you. So knowing that they're, they're willing to take their time to disciple you, you got to free that time up. Because they are wanting to pour into each and every one of us. So make sure you think about that. Not be so quick to cancel or this and that but God wants to do something in and through that and God is putting him in your life for a reason I uh how many this week and I'm talking 35 and older how, how many this week will eat out for lunch or supper this week possibly you'll do that okay who are you gonna eat with see everybody has to eat we all have to eat one of the things that is very I'm very intentional about is when I'm traveling to one of our church plants, I never travel alone. Yep, yep. I take one of our younger planters with me or someone who's thinking about possibly planting. So they're a part of my, I just include them in part of my life. And every one of us, we're going to be in a restaurant, but who's sitting across from you? Yes. Be intentional about that. That's an investment that can change forever. Yes. It'll change forever. Having people in your house, it's one of the reasons you should own a house, is to have people in it. Mm -hmm. 
And so, and they would love that. Football's going on. There's so many young people who love football. Watch the game with them. They're learning a lot about who you are. And I know some of you are thinking, I don't want them to watch the game because I kind of <laughs> lose myself in the game. They need to see that. I say it all the time. Part of parenting isn't that you show your kids your perfection. It's also you show them your mistakes and how you work through them. Because no parent is perfect. And so quit lying to your kid. They need need to see it and it's okay. It's okay for your kids to hear, man, I blew that. I love hearing my kids when I'm out driving. They're like, dad, you know, I know you're right. You're right. You're right. I should have hit them. Um, I... (laughs) (laughs) but involve involve in your life I love what you said and I want to say it again if you didn't write this down okay it's not adding something to your calendar it's including someone in your calendar include them in your life that's discipleship and amazing conversations come out of it I try to do it I, I love people in my life like that I love it So again, you're not adding, you're including. Great words, Grant, great words. By the way, just so you know, the book we're talking about is called The Passion Generation. You need to get this book. This is absolutely one of the best. How many have read it already? I mean, I've heard someone, yep, yep. You gotta get this book. I love what it says. The seemingly reckless, definitely disruptive, but far from hopeless millennials. (laughs) The Passion Generation. This This is not about, if you will, describing you will, the problem, mm-hmm. this is a book of solution. Yes. And it is so biblical based, so Christ-centered. It's incredible. I love this book. You need to get it and read it. So go ahead, Jonathan. And what I love about your heart, I just want to quick piggyback on what he said. And I'm not saying that just because you're here, but you do that so well. There's been so many times where you've asked me, hey, I need to go run an errand. I need to go to the chiropractor, come along. And the meaningful conversations that have come through that ride or that drive have meant so much to me. To where it just, I can't stress that enough of what in the way they just said it. You're not adding it. It's not a, it's not a burden. It's, you're inviting that into your life. He has to go do that. But he's intentional. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask this person to go with me. And I've had so many meaningful conversations that now that I am trying to apply that in my life with the people that I just then disciple. So thank you for that. Yeah. Pastor Timothy is a smoking guy. I'm telling you. You all know that. Doesn't, he's not a, like a guy that smokes. He's a okay. <laughs> um, but, but Timothy, you here, where you at? Timothy, where's he at? There he's over here. All right. So <laughs> I, 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 I should have prefaced that. It's like all of a sudden he's not here. Oh, yeah. Okay. Anyway, he's probably out smoking. Um, but, <laughs> but Timothy's Timothy's one of these. When I met him at, at college down at Oklahoma Wesleyan, I, I remember telling his dad, this guy's amazing. Absolutely amazing. And you've all been blessed to see it. And so very strategically, because I believe the way that God has gifted him and his call in his life, we have an elder board. And I invited Timothy. I wanted him to be in the elder board. I wanted him set there. Because there's so much. Now watch this. There's so much that he will learn being in a room as a young man, being around the wisdom of this room. But I told the elders, there's so much we're going to learn from him. Mm. Of having his generation sitting in there. And I told Timothy, please hear this. Do not come in this room to think all you do is just you take. You have so much to give. You have the freedom. You speak whatever God lays in your heart. I want someone like Timothy close to me 
because it's a two-way street. Yes. And every one of us, church, if we're gonna if we're gonna be God's church in this generation, this is absolutely imperative for people my age. Absolutely imperative. And that can change today, and you'll you'll get an opportunity to that in a minute. So so good. Hey Grant, I'd like you to tell them the story um, about when you first asked the person that disciples you now to disciple you. Um, when you when he invited you to go on a on a run with him. Yeah, so the, the guy who disciples me currently is, so he's a busy guy. And this kind of goes back to that, the difficulty of mentorship and discipleship is, um, and I, I really hope you guys don't hear it as one's bad and one's good. They're both good. Just one's a little bit more robust. Um, I, I think we've all had a one meeting with one person, even just one time, and they say something that shifts the way you see God or see marriage or see life, see the scriptures. And so um, for me, it took about three months until this very busy guy. So he's busy because he's the architect. He started the firm that's the architect for Walmart. And uh, I don't know if y'all know, but like Walmarts are everywhere and they're big. So it's not like that it's really nice design. It's just, it's been very lucrative for him. And he does a lot. um, I could just go on about what he does. um, But all that to say, he's just busy. And so it took months to get a one-on-one meeting with him. And I often have to sometimes, when I'm talking to young people, I tell them, I'm going to teach you how to trick older people into discipling you. Because they're not going to, they may not do it. I I always say, we can't wait until they're ready or until they want to. They have the wisdom. They just, uh, what I tell them, and this may be true for you, is I say to young people, they may not disciple you, probably mostly because they were never discipled themselves. Mm. And so it's hard for them to give what they've never received. But they do have way more wisdom to give than they even realize. And so as I'm telling them how to trick people into discipling them, uh, I say, find out in their, so again, I said personal life, family life, uh, what is it, church life and work life. I I think one of the easiest ways to start is in your personal life. And as a young person, I go after the personal life because like, what is it that you like to do for fun? And how can I do that with you? If you like to hunt, can I, can I hunt with you? If you like to cook, can I cook with you? If you like, this guy liked to do something that I don't know why people like to do this, but he liked to jog. Um, and he liked to go on runs and he liked to uh, go on marathons and uh, all this kind of stuff. And all that to say, and they, you know how joggers are. They like to wake up really early and they like to take a picture and make sure everyone sees how long they ran and they put on social media. And then they like to get the, the sticker and put it on their car, the participation trophy sticker. Because um, <laughs> I got, yeah, I'll, I'll get into that. But all that to say. Um, tell what place you guys yeah, so, Well, I'll get it. I, I'll tell you at the end. Remind me to say at the end. So I knew he liked to jog. And I was like, that's one of the easiest ways. Because people like to convert, if you will, others to like what they like, especially if you have an interest into it. So after the meeting, I got his number, and I texted him that night, and I said, hey, man, I really did love our time together, um, and I really wanted to get more time with him, but I knew it would take a long time if I went the mentorship approach. Let's just do another meeting. So I said, I'm really trying to get into running, um, which is a total lie. I'm not, why, who's trying to do that? Um, and I say, I'm really trying to get into running. Uh, is there any chance I could start running with you? Because that's me and him for at least 10, 20, 30 minutes. And he said, if you're serious about running, I'd love to have you join. Meet me tomorrow at four. And I'm just like, man, like, why? Do you know how weird it feels to set your alarm for three anything? Like, it just doesn't feel right. Um, so I go to bed immediately so I can be up in time for this. And uh, I love to say, y'all, this was the best discipleship story. You should do this too. But the reality is this bro didn't even show up. 
like, he didn't show up at four. He didn't show up at five. He didn't show up at six. He woke up when normal people wake up, around seven or eight, and he texts me, hey, I, I, he's already got several texts. I'm like, are you still coming? Okay, it's an hour in. I think I'm going to go home. Uh, maybe I missed you. And he texts me, I am so sorry. He said, when I said four, I meant 4 p.m., not 4 a.m. And, and I'm thinking, what's so hard? Why would you say, if you're serious, meet me at four? I'm like, you made it seem like it was a.m. Um, and so I, I say, what was great about that is I like when that happened because I was like, this guy now knows. I'll do whatever it takes yeah. to come and get disciples or just get time with you. I'm serious. I'm, I'll hold my word. Um, I'll show up. I'll be there. And, and I want to tell you all that. It's, again, not every young person's ready to be discipled, um, but there are, again, a few. They got to be faithful. They got to be available. They got to be teachable. They got to be hungry. Um, but there are more than you think that are out there that they are willing to follow through. And, and, and man, if you could pour into them, they already, if they're faithful, available, teachable, and hungry, they already got this flame, this fire. Yes. And when you pour gasoline on that, it's going to like take off. Um, and so the irony, yeah, with, I've now walked, I've, 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 gone with this guy for years now and he's really through uh even a breakup with my girlfriend who then I won back and engaged and married and uh all these transitions in my life he's been there to 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 walk alongside of me and I've got to be with his family and meet his kids and all these different things the funny thing about the running he got me to run in a marathon once and I got 600th and 60th place um, which I was so glad. I was like, I, if I knew, I would have been like, I got to get away from 666. Like, I just got to get here. It's like, no matter who's, I got to speed up or I got to slow down or something. Just get away from that number. But we get six, I got 660th place. And at the end, he's like, now you get this gold medallion and it comes with it. It's really cool looking. He's like, you get a, you should post, put this in your office or whatever. And I'm like, but for 660th place? And I was like, it sounds like a participation trophy to me. And he's like, no, no, it's not. He's like, I said, but I, I got like, you guys get make fun of young people for getting like 10th place trophies. I've got 660th place trophy. And now you're saying I get to put a sticker on my car. And he's like, but you did it. I was like, that's literally participation. That's like, a, so, uh, yeah. Yeah, I'm going to argue that, though, because okay. you might have had a 660th place. But it's hard. It's... But you know how many 6 billion are sitting eating Cheetos in front of a television? True. Um, and, you know, I don't mind if I was in the NFL, if I was the 660th player. True. You know what I mean? It's so, a high bar. It's a high bar. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm impressed. You finished. I we walked a lot. <laughs> I walked a lot. I walked a lot. Oh, you didn't say that. Yeah. Okay. That's so funny. Hey, but I finished. Hey, Grant, I love where, just, just to um, finish a little bit on that topic of discipleship in your book, you, you kind of break it down what discipleship is. And I'd like for you to talk a little bit about that. You say discipleship is I do, you watch. Mm-hmm. I do, you help. You do, I help. And then you do, and someone else watches. <laughs> Can you yeah. unwrap that a little, please? Yeah, yeah. And this is definitely helpful if um, kind of what he just showed, I'm going to uh, show you guys visually. Is this, this, especially if you're even in your workplace, you might have someone who it just helps to train them up. It, there's this lie that, that discipleship is just a burden, but eventually it actually becomes a blessing for yes. both parties because you're, you're giving responsibilities to someone else who ideally can start helping you. And so this uh, phrase he just showed, I do, you watch, um, 
will basically start where you're, you're doing this and then they're watching you do that. It goes to transition to I do, now you help. Um, so it's like you're, you, you, you have someone who's going to rescue you if things go south. Um, then lastly, I mean, third is you do. Now it's like you're giving them the responsibility and then you're, you're swooping in to uh, help if they, if they need any help. And then lastly, this is really, I think, at the core of discipleship because we can sometimes make discipleship memorization, but I think at the core of discipleship actually is replication. It's where you've taught someone to do what you do and, and ideally even love Christ more because you love Christ, but you do and now somebody else is watching you guys kind of follow that, that process? Um, this is when you've really, truly made a disciple. And I, I want to show this slide because there's a guy, um, I saw this, and um, this is a pastor in uh, Seattle. And I know uh, his young, the guy he discipled is about my age. And uh, it's the guy in the blazer in that picture. And that guy, Brian, the young guy that he discipled, I know he, he got him when he was a young single in college in California at USC, started pouring into him. And now Brian on that picture in the blazer he pastors one of the largest Presbyterian churches in the nation, and he was one of the youngest pastors uh, in the nation to pastor a church that size. And uh, I know Brian, the young guy, would say, I am who I am. I can do what I can do so much because of Scott, the guy in the blue polo who poured into me. And what I loved about that picture is I asked him, is that the guy who Brian disciples on the right? And he said, it is. He smiled. And I said, no way. So are you telling me the guy on the far left, is that who discipled you? And I just think that's one of the coolest pictures um, to what I hope is like the scorecard that we kind of think about is we don't just want to be great leaders or great servers or great givers, which all we need to do all those things. But it's like, how can I be a disciple maker? How can I get to heaven and have several people there that I'm, I'm seeing? Like, uh, if you guys can pull that picture up, um, what's really cool is the guy on the far left said he had never met. Brian or even the kid on the right. Wow. And, and what's awesome is you get to start seeing people that uh, in heaven that they're like, you didn't disciple me, but you discipled the person who discipled me. Um, that would be such a win in, the, in heaven. And, and I want to kind of visually show this because I think it's, it's very helpful. Is, yes. um, and if you guys can just keep this up for a second. Um, you really evaluate where do you feel like you are in this process? Are you, are you where you're like, hey, I've been a Christian for a long time, but I've never poured into and made a clear commitment to disciple someone, and that's fine. So I would say you're in a learner stage even still, and let's say, how can we in 2022 move into the leader stage where you have someone following you? And you may say, well, I am a leader. I work at this position, or I got this title, or I do this work. But technically, John Maxwell would say, you're not a leader unless someone's following you. Um, You're technically, if you may think you're a leader, but if no one's following you, you're technically just taking a walk is what he would say, uh, which is great. Walking's good, it's healthy. And, but it's like, how do we, how do we move to being a, a leader where people are following us? We, there's a clear relationship there. And then how do we get to where they even pour into someone else uh, and then they pour into someone else? And what's great about this, y'all, is there's not always the best clarity in church where sometimes we feel like to grow as a Christian just means we start coming to church, maybe we invite people to church and we give. Of course we do all those things. But throughout the week, what are we doing? And I would say it's, it's this. It's like, how do we then add this to the scorecard of, I want to be a disciple maker because Christ said we should. Christ did. It was his last words. And um, you know what groups give a lot of clarity and do this really well and it motivates us is uh, groups that sell knives or Herbalife or I don't know if y'all ever get reached out. I get reached out to now by, in Facebook by friends I haven't seen in 10 years and they're like, 
like, yo, have you, have you considered getting these new knives set? Or how's your, I was like, no, I don't ever consider knives in my life. Like, but it's like the people that do that are really motivated because they have these levels. It's like in the beginning, you're ruby, diamond, double diamond, infinity stone, and you get like a pink Cadillac or it's like these, a clarity of like how you grow. I think that's helpful is you got to ask yourself like, where are you and how do we get you to the next level for the glory of God and the sake of the next generation? Because again, we need you. Um, and what happens, I think if we don't do this is, uh, there's a process I saw, this is um, metamorphosis for like uh, uh, frogs. And it's kind of funny is, Y'all may not know this, but this is how frog life works, is there's eggs, embryo, tadpole. This is replication for frogs. Tadpole, tadpole with two legs, which is different than the tadpole with four legs, which becomes a frog, right? And here's, you might be like, where are you going with this? When I saw this, I was like, I think some of us get to the egg stage. We, we get saved, embryo stage, we join a church, and then tadpole stage, we serve and we give and we maybe, and we're, we regularly attend church. But we kind of just stay there at that, that stage and we don't go to the replication side and we don't go to the next stage. And there actually was a lake that got so contaminated uh, in America. I think it's in Michigan. It got so contaminated that they actually somehow the, the, the process was stopped and halted where tadpoles were not growing into the next form, but they were still getting bigger. So you might be like, well, I've been a Christian for 10 years. How am I not a leader? I was like, well, have you gone to the next stage of making disciples? And here's actually what happened. This is what the tadpoles look like. When they still stayed alive, they just got bigger and bigger and bigger. This is what the tadpoles look like. Okay, sorry about the alcohol. I know some of you might struggle with alcohol. I got you. (laughs) (laughs) That's... (laughs) Actually, take that off there because okay. that's why the tadpoles just got bigger. <laughs> <Right now. Yeah. laughs> oh, because of that. Yeah. But did you guys notice when everyone saw that, no one was like, when you see a puppy or when you see something <laughs> yeah. cute, no one was like, oh. No, they were all like, ugh. No one wants to be a big tadpole. No one wants to. No one wants that. You don't want that. The world doesn't want that. The next generation doesn't want that. We, we've got to fight to get to that next stage, prioritizing. Uh, or we'll just become these obese tadpoles. And God so called good. us to be fishers of men, yes. not obese tadpoles. So good. So good. You, you, said, you say something in your book. It says, circles are better than rows, and disciples are better. Circles are better than rows, but disciples are better than circles. I think that is so good because knowing that, yeah, in circles as we grow up, but man, when we're being discipled and there's that come follow me, there's this transformation that happens within us. And I know that's happened in my life. You know what I mean? As Pastor Keith has been discipling me and walking with me, things that are just transformed in my life and what God has done. And I thought, man, when you said that, 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 that is so good. And really us understanding that, like you said, really taking that next step of, Okay, God, what are you calling me to? I've been coming to church for this long, kind of just living a mundane life, but God, you have, there's something greater. And I feel that within our generation, there's that, that there's something more. There's something more to just coming to church on the weekend, singing some songs and a message, and then we go and live our lives like, like nothing's going on. And like Pastor Keith said, people are dying and going to hell. There's got to come to a place where we're like, okay, God, here I am, I surrender. 
and, and watching what God can do in and through that. And that leads me just to my, my, my last question is what, what concerns you with the church, with the church today? Sorry, I'll keep coughing. I got tested. I do not have COVID. Uh, I'm just normal cough, I guess. Y'all remember back in the day when we used to do that? Um, <laughs> I think it was that funny. Um, so, <laughs> I like this church. <laughs> So probably, the mo- one, y'all are awesome, seriously. Like, I love churches that with a sense of humor. Um, churches with a sense of humor. And just, I, I walked out before, uh, on the last song, and I always want to, like, kind of pray over the church and see just, I don't know what they're like. And I love seeing, like, y'all's angst in worship. Um, I, it just, it means a lot to me to be like, I want, I want older generations, like, it, it's a burden. It's just like, this is real. It's not a, a hobby. That's a really serious hobby. It's like... This is life, um, and it changes who we are. And, and, and you kind of said, and then we go back to life. And, and I know, and that's a, a little harsh, because I know we change our character a lot. What the Holy Spirit has done in our life has changed our character in life. I just want to encourage, then also add this of discipleship in it, is uh, this next generation needs the character of Christ yes. in them. And God has a knack of, he doesn't just, we pray a lot and almost have this idea that if we pray this, God will snap his fingers and make it happen. Mm. But almost every time God does something in the world, he does it through people. He doesn't just snap his finger and do that. Like he could have just wrote the gospel on the sun that shows up every day. We could say clearly God's real because how'd that get there? And there's the gospel. But he actually sent his son. Um, and then he sent his son to send us. Like, um, and so it's, it's crucial that, it's all hinges kind of on us. Um, so what concerns me probably the most is this is a big deal in the sense of if we want to reach the next generation, but we have this in our, in our heart, um, is this kind of like hurt or bitterness towards uh, the next generation, how they live and how they're different. Uh, we, what I would say is sometimes I feel like the church's posture, and I mean older Christians in the church, the older Christians' posture towards the next generation, sometimes I feel like their posture and their heart of making fun of young people is just as similar to the world. Like, there's no difference. There's a culture of making fun of young people. And I want to, there's a, I think I have this quote here. I might have taken out. This is a, just a funny thing to think about. I'm getting 30 and I'm starting to say old people things. Um, <laughs> where it's like, hey, man, when I grew up, uh, phones were connected to the wall. Like, it, it's like, and they're like, What? I'm like, oh man, I'm starting, there was a CD, and what is that? I'm starting to get old. Um, this is a quote that was kind of helpful, and it talks about, uh, I, I think I, yeah, he's on there. So it says, uh, anything that is in the world when you're born is normal and ordinary and is just a natural part of the way the world works. Then, uh, anything that's invented between when you're 15 and 35 is new and exciting, it's revolutionary, and you can probably get a career in it. Anything invented after you're 35 is against the natural order of things. <laughs> and I'm getting close to that 35, and I'm like, man, this music today sucks. It's like terrible. Or like, man, what? It, y'all can't even understand what they're saying. Or man, I thought they said we were promiscuous. These songs are. I'm just like, man, I'm an old person. All of a sudden, it's happening. Um, 
And, and it, it, this culture of where it's just like, oh, I just like to joke about them and make fun of them. And, and it, I, there's, there's room for that. I would actually say there's room for that when there's relationship. Mm. But if there's not That's relationship, good. it's, it's hard to critique. Um, and so what I would encourage, and, and the concern, but my encouragement is um, one of the most powerful things you can do, and it doesn't even actually require discipleship yet, it's just these seeds that you could be planting, is instead of being a generation that critiques or makes fun of, um, four letters that are some of the most powerful letters you can ever say to a young person is simply the four letters, I see in you. Just simply, I see in you. Basically saying, I see this in you. Because what that does is it, you start seeing things in young people that is life-giving, not just critiquing or making fun of, but it's like, I notice this gift you have, or I notice the way you carry yourself is different than most of your generation. Like, just noticing those things and then telling them, it, if you, how many of you guys remember a compliment you got when you were a kid because someone saw something in you? And what it does is it makes you want to capitalize on that, emphasize that, grow in that, where it's like, you have a, a heart of prayer, and it, they become prayer warriors when you prophesy over it. And this is a biblical thing, actually. Uh, if you guys can pull up the, that First Timothy 4.12 verse, um, this is uh, actually in the scriptures where it talks about, um, this is First Timothy 4.12, it says, do not let anyone look down on you because you are young, but set the believers an example in speech, conduct, love, faith, and purity. And this is the go-to young verse. Do not let anyone look down on you because you're young, but uh, set the believer's example in speech, conduct, faith, and purity. Uh, why I think this is important is the young adult verse, just two verses down, brings up older people. Watch. So the next verse after 1 Timothy 4.12 says, um, what is it here? Uh, okay, this is the ESV script. Uh, put yourself, uh, give yourself to scripture, to exhortation, to teaching. And this is what was really important to me when I was reading this next-gen verse, because I started talking about the next generation a lot, and I saw this. And it says this phrase. It says, do not neglect the gift you have, which was given to you when the council of elders laid their hands on you and they prophesied over you. And this is why this is important to me, is I thought, when I read this verse, and I'm like, don't let anyone look down to you, and it says, then do not neglect the gift you have. Please hear this. This next generation is dying to find their gift, their calling, their cause, their thing. And it says, don't neglect that gift. I would say most of this generation doesn't even know yet what their yeah. gift is. They spend most of their single years searching for it. They don't know what that gift is, and they just squander those very precious years. And I think, what if the church could be the place where they know what their gift is? Because it says, do not neglect the gift you have, which was actually given to you by the prophecy and the council of elders. And I would say, you, prophecy might be a scary word, depending on who you are. Um, it could be as simple as, I see in you. I see this in you. And, and for me, the very first time, I, when, I, uh, when I saw this verse, it flashed me back to, when I was 16, I just got saved, I was six months saved, I got asked to speak for six to seven minutes. It was the first time I ever spoke for even 30 seconds on, in front of about 80 people. I got asked that day, hey, tonight, will you speak at this Bible study? I had always been going to it, but they were like, we want you to share for like six minutes, seven minutes. I was nervous, y'all. Like, many people that ever speak, their first message is not good at all. Like, and what's worse about mine, because it wasn't good, is it's on YouTube. And luckily, you can, it's hard to find it, but it's, it's bad. My vocabulary is very small at that time. My sermon was like, God loves you, man. You got to repent, bro. Stop chasing girls, dude. 
It's like, just, just, you're dumb, man. Stop being dumb and just follow him. Like my I, logic. I didn't find that when I the way, to, Yeah, the way I, I preach. I mean, the way I, I just talk the way I talk, which I still do that now. I just talk better now. And so, but I'm like, I watched that and it's humbling to see a 16-year-old Grant's first message. But it was connecting actually somehow kind of with these guys. And I had this older man in the back of the room. I had never seen him before. I've never seen him since. This older man came up to me, put his hand on my shoulder and said, hey, I really think you have a gift for speaking to your generation. And he's like, I really think you should consider going to seminary. Like, you, you're connecting. And I know it sounds like you're a new believer, but, man, if you keep doing this and growing in this, I think, think God could use it. And I get even emotional kind of thinking of that today because I was 16, and he saw something in me. I've never seen him again, but one day I'll see him in heaven and, and be like, man, you had no idea. And I remember you. You know, I don't remember some sermons from a month ago, but I remember that guy yeah. saying that. Yes. And so the power of saying, I see in you, and, and then them fanning that into flame. If you guys can, lastly, I'll just close with this verse. Um, the, the next time Paul talks to Timothy and he talks about um, a gift that Timothy has, uh, it's, it's uh, first, I think it's second Timothy verse, if you guys can pull that up. He says in 2 Timothy, again, talking to uh, Paul, talking to Timothy, says, for this reason, I remind you, fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. And, and again, there's this idea of you have a gift. I want you to grow in that gift. And, and, and you receive that gift from an older generation that, that saw it, spoke life into it and poured into you going forward. I, th- I just... Again, there's power in your words. There's power in your life. You have so much more to offer. And it doesn't mean you have to be this great preacher, teacher, and leader. Sometimes they, again, just want to do lunch with you or dinner with you. It's one of the most powerful things for me was just following someone in their ordinary life, but seeing how God showed up in their ordinary life and being like, I want to be faithful like that person's faithful. I uh, thank you, Grant. I want to do something we close. I'm going to invite the team out on the stage. As they come out, I think you all know yesterday, last night, some crazy weather came through and um, there's a lot of, lot of cleanup that's going to happen out in Lenox. Uh, perfect example, uh, Neil Stratman is part of our security team. Uh, Neil comes, he reached out and he said, uh, I just want to tell you something happened last night. The football coach gathered the football team and they got their pickups and drove around Lenox and started cleaning things up for people. And I thought, wow, what an incredible example. That's, that's, a, that's discipleship, okay? It's an amazing thing. I just thought that was wonderful. And, uh, but there's a lot of prayer, you know, when people go through things like that. But I, I'm gonna do something um, in this room because I, I want us to give us a visual and an opportunity. It's one thing to hear, as James says, but to do is what God wants us to move is our feet to action. If you're 35 years of age or younger, I'm going to ask you to stand right now if you're in this room. 35 and younger, I want you to stand up. Now, I just want you to remain standing a second. I'm gonna invite Robert Speaks. Robert Speaks and his wife, they're gonna to come to the stage. Robert's on our elder board. 
I've asked Robert to join. I think Nick uh, Ovidin's in the room. Nick, are you in the room? I think he is. Um, Nick, come on up here. Is Allie with you? Yeah, if Allie would join you. Eric Martinson is on our elder board, and I've been very strategic about young people and, and what we're trying to do as a church here. I'm going to ask Christina if she'll come and join Jonathan uh, here up on the stage. Eric Martinson, uh, I, I really think there's just a lot going on. Eric Martinson uh, is one of our elders. He's actually at the hospital. Um, he was taken there in emergency, and I went up and saw him yesterday. And then Robert, uh, about an hour later when I found that out, Robert uh, reached out and said, can you call me? I called, and he found out that his mother had died. And, uh, and he said, we're going to still be there, but there's another trip back to Michigan I'm going to have to take and make. And so uh, just there's just a lot of moments for prayer and all of the young people going on. And I want you to look around this room right now, just older generation, because sometimes they'll say, Man, we got to do something to reach young people. And I said, they're sitting all around you. This church is full of them. And I think they're the most amazing generation there is. I, I, I really want you to listen to this. I, uh, I remember when Wayne Cadero said at the Olympics, the most sought after race is the four by 100. Four of the best athletes from every country is going to get on a track. They're going to pass the baton. But he said, there's one runner. He said, in a time where everybody's talking about the end times, and boy, these are the last days. And I never forgot him saying this. He said, but everybody knows that of the best, it's that last runner, the anchor leg. That's the world's best for that country. And they're going to run around the track, and they're going to pass that baton to their best athlete is going to bring it home. And I remember when he said it, and I believe it with all my heart, this generation that's standing right now, if you're going to go down the roads, we're in the end times, this is God's anchor leg. These are the best he has that he put on the track to bring it home. And I, I am so devoted. I love this man with everything I got. He's one of the best. He's absolutely one of the best. And I'm looking at so many. You know, I think of the things that you've gone through. And I don't think I would have, I would have grabbed a hold like Tab has and to listen to his heart and his passion. And I, I, don't, I don't believe when I was his age, I would, I would be talking and walking like this young man is. This is one of God's best. And I love seeing you all stand. I just love it. And we've got, we've got a church full of some of the most life-changing people who are so hungry to make a difference. They don't want to play church. They don't want it to be a weekend thing. They want to be a part of something that can change the world and they want to attach their name to it. And they are cause-driven. I've seen it over and over. They attach themselves to all kinds of things. And they're willing to stand up. They're very loud. Yes, they can be disruptive. But what a time do we need that? Imagine if they get disruptive for Jesus. They'll, they'll go for it. And so here's what I want to do. Here, watch this, all of you that are sitting. Do you know any of these that are standing by name? Oh. 
Or are you going to go back to playing cards with your old friends? I'm not afraid to say it. I'm not afraid to rub it. If we're going to call ourselves Christians and attach to it, how long have you been in the church? Are we going to hear Christ say, well done, you hung out with everybody your age and we just kind of, you know, had conversations about what's happening in Washington and all of that stuff. And we just sit at coffee shops and things like that. I don't think that's well done. Because all of you are sitting have so much wisdom. You're so brilliant beyond anything you could imagine. You have so much to offer in this group that's standing. They're so hungry. When we stop and say, they won't come to church, hello. They're here right now. They didn't have to come. This is the opening weekend of the NFL. I drove by Buffalo Wild Wing, B-dubs, I think that's what they call it. I don't get it, but anyway, they're setting up. This is, this is, this is the big weekend, NFL launching. Guess, look where they're at. They want to be here. And they're hungry for you. So see, see what I'm saying? This is the disruption. I don't know what your plans for you that were sitting this afternoon, but here's a thought for you. Maybe you ought to stop and go, uh, we're including you in our lunch today. We want you to come with us. If you're like me at my age, then you probably have a roast back at home. You know what I mean? That's what my mom always did. You're coming to our house today. See, I, here's what I want you to do for all this, all these 35 and younger. I just, I want to do everything I can to serve you. I'm so sorry for 22 years if I've screwed that up, I've messed it up. I want you in my life. I want, I want to be around you. And I don't want to ever, I don't want you to ever think that I'm looking anything that you're doing wrong. I'm just hungry to say, listen, if I've got something to wash your feet, I want to wash your feet and do everything. Let's go for it. Let's go for it. You probably see the future better than I'll ever see it. And there's an amazing group of people. All of you are sitting. I love you with all my heart. You come here. I hear the older generation say, we love coming here because you can preach the word. Wait, you ready for this? How about if that is true? All the ones that are standing, how about you be the word to them today? How about you say, come with us. We'll change our plan. Come with us. Take their number, get their name. So here's what I'm going to ask you to do. We're going to pray for them. I'm going to ask Grant to pray for us. I want every one of you that are sitting, you see all the people are standing. Are you willing to get up? I want to go over and put a hand on their shoulder. Some young people are like, I'm not okay with that. Okay, I'm okay with that. Just, just say that. So that just makes me feel uncomfortable. It's okay. Everybody has a right to say that. But we are not going to be God's church if we keep the chasm and we keep walking through us older generation fighting for what we might have lost when right in front of us is everything we need to gain. So I'm asking you to get up where you're at and go where they're at. Go up and say, listen, I, I want to know you. I, I see in you. I see in you. I'm asking you to do that right now. Don't leave them standing there by themselves. See, that's the problem. This is the church. This is, this is the church. I want you to go where they're at. These are amazing people. Amazing people. Love you too.
guys are awesome. Now, Mass, come on over here. Grant, will you lead us in prayer? God, I thank you for your goodness and your mercy that you didn't just intervene to save us, but you actually have entrusted us to such a high calling. God, I pray for the young people here. I just give them this holy hunger for more. Um, give them a high standard to be set apart from their generation. Um, give them a early wisdom from the generations before them that anything the world has to offer is nothing in comparison to you. God, I pray for favor among these relationships. God, would this just be the beginning of starting relationships in this church, uh, posture shifts in this church. Um, I pray for those that just are thinking about, man, maybe it's time to, to pour in or pray that you would create, uh, that your spirit's uh, kind of putting a pebble in their shoe, that they just can't, they can't avoid it. It's, it's unshakable, this, this uh, next step to who could that be, God? I pray that your spirit would highlight who is it that we could pour into? Who is it that you're naturally putting in my life? Who is it, um, or is it time that I, I start putting myself in places among more young people? Um, do I need to get more plugged in here? Do I need to move my calendar, my schedule to, to, to start crossing paths with young people, God? But would you highlight, you have, a, you have a knack for connecting your people for your purposes. So we ask a favor on that, God. Um, lastly, I just pray for those that don't feel adequate. They don't feel qualified. They don't feel like they have a life that's glorious enough to be followed. I know the enemy can sneak in and say, you're not worth it. God, I pray that your spirit would remind them who they are. I pray that your spirit would, would remind them that the pressure is not on you. It's not on them. God, they're not trying to make people more like them. They're trying to make people more like Christ, God. Can, they, can, you, can you remind them that the, just to say what Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. As let them figure out, even fail forward in discipleship and see the glorious and the beautiful gospel that picks us up even when we fall, God. Thank you for who you are. Thank you for entrusting us with such a huge responsibility. Uh, but also, lastly, I just pray that there's a lot of crazy, awesome, fun experiences and stories that, that this church gets to see the blessing and not just the burden of discipleship, but the blessing that's on the other side of this commitment and this relationship that uh, so many beautiful and great things uh, that come out of it. God, would you move? Would you show up? Would it just, again, be a pebble in our shoes that we, we see it's time. It's time to move forward. It's time to lead. It's time to, um, the city needs us, God, and uh, we're available. We're here. Send us. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past messages. And if you like what you're hearing, consider rating it and even sharing it with your friends. It helps so much. You know, you can click the share button, take a screenshot and share it on your social stories and tag us at Celebrate Church. For more content from Celebrate and to connect with us, go to celebrate.church. We love you and we believe in you. God bless. God bless.